there are certain lyrics to songs that are so easy to sing until we really think about what that lyric was we just sung. Lord, make, make new wine out of me. Well, to make wine involves some crushing, and that's not fun. We don't like that. And yet, Lord, for some reason, you always have a plan in that. We don't always understand. Our questions are not always answered. Yet that's where faith kicks in, Lord. So, Lord, right now, as we are on this journey towards emotional health, Lord, I pray, Father, today, that this word from your word will minister to hearts in such a way that can bring freedom, that can bring a new perspective, that can bring triumph, that can bring victory, that can bring gardens from graves, we pray, in your holy name. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. You know, it's so good to be with you here today as your tour guide through emotionally healthy spirituality. Um, it's, It's kind of funny because the Holy Spirit often does this kind of thing that he brings you into a lot of emotional stuff. Whatever you're teaching as the pastor, it's almost like, here you go. All right, Brian, let's take you through a journey. So I feel like your tour guide, and I feel like we're going down some terrain that I myself am right in the middle of. I just lost my mom recently, just did her funeral a week ago Friday, you know. And then on top of that, it's like, yeah, but you're the pastor. I mean, you got to do other funerals. You got to do other weddings. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to help people navigate through tough stuff. And in the meantime, it's just like, ah, I'm right in the middle of it. But you know, it, it, it's good. It's not fun, but it's good. And, and my question for us in opening up is this, is it possible for your greatest sorrow to function as a catalyst to become your greatest strength? Is that possible? Have you seen that to be true in your life? You know, I, I know there's so many of us, uh, you know, that can hold different um, brothers and sisters in the faith to very high regard because uh, usually there's a commonality in that. There's a reason why some people just stand out and it's like, wow, there's just something about them and their walk of faith that's hugely inspiring. We've got so many here for me in this congregation. Sometimes if I sing, Uh, Sometimes I'll be in the back because I know different stories, and when I see the different stories and what they've gone through, praising God through them being in the middle of it, it just ministers hugely, hugely to my soul. You know, A.W. Tozer said these words. He said, it is doubtful God can greatly use a man until he has greatly hurt a man. Let, Let me repeat that, because I've totally seen the truth of this. Totally seen the truth of this. It's doubtful God can greatly use a man until he has greatly hurt a man. Okay, that's why for me it's very much an attraction to, to invite those into even our staff mix who've been through hard stuff. Why? Because many times it's through that hard stuff that we grow a dependency on the Lord. That without going through that hard stuff, we, we start thinking we're pretty good. And I think uh, the, the hard things that go on in life really uh, 
help uh, strengthen us, strengthen us, because we've got to be committed to Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and, and called according to his purpose. All things means the good as well as the what? The bad. I know today we're going to be reminded of this imagery here. Um, that is an olive press right there. The story we're going to look at today is in Matthew 26. I want, to, I want you to turn there in your Bibles. It's on page 989. For those of you who need a Bible under the seat in front of you, we want everyone to follow along. But the story happens in the garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. And Gethsemane got its name from pressed olives, pressed olives. I, I, I've been to the Mount of Olives before. I've seen, you know, where the, the presses that look very similar to this. And I don't know about you. I'd rather be the one that's kind of rolling the stone than being under the stone. Any, any of you takers? I mean, now, I, I, I mean, it sounds mean to say I'd rather roll the stone, but man, I don't want to be under that, that big old rock that's pressing those olives and, and, and doing all that. But, but you know, this journey today we're on is um, entitled this, Growing Through Grief and Loss. Aren't you glad you came today? I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you've tuned in today because every one of us, there is one constant in life in this world and that you will have loss. And I'm not just talking about death of a loved one. Not just, I mean, there's loss of all kinds. We're still reeling from all the losses we experienced during COVID, aren't we? As a society, it's totally messed a whole bunch of things up. But you know, there's been loss of a spouse, whether it's through divorce, whether it's just through uh, other means, uh, lost kids. I know we've had those that have had miscarriages, those who've tried to have kids, and they're just like, man, this is loss after loss. This is tough. Our emotions are tied to that. But this is why we're going through this journey together, folks. Because throughout this series, we've been saying that our emotional health is necessarily tied to our spiritual growth and our inability or unwillingness to address some of the hard emotional past will keep us from progressing in depth in our walk with the Lord. And so we live in a day that's really primed to cultivate the subject matter. There's a loss of dreams. I mean, some of you have had your dreams dashed. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost, uh, I, I, I don't know. There's all kinds of hosts of things. The loss of geography. Maybe your company's moved you. You're going to a new place. I mean, it's totally different. You're losing all of those friendships you had. Now you've got to start that over. You see, there's loss all around us. When I, and that loss really, if we're honest with ourselves, produces grief. I looked at the definition of grief. Grief is mental suffering 
or distress over affliction or loss. So see, grief is the the necessary follow-up after the loss of something that we cherish, the loss of something that we're at least familiar with. See, I looked at synonyms for grief. Agony, anguish, despair, pain, sadness, sorrow, unhappiness, worry, gloom. Do you know anybody that's been, that's like been the dominant emotion? Um, At least lately, (laughs) or at least the last few years. But grief is the unavoidable response to loss. And it does impact us in so many different ways. And I think what's very difficult about grief is that everybody grieves differently, don't they? Everybody grieves differently. Different cultures grieve differently. Different families grieve differently. And the hardest thing about grief is allowing people the margin and the space to grieve how they need to grieve. And I know many people who, when they are in the, the, the midst of a very heavy situation, they avoid church at all costs. You know why? Because many good-hearted people at church try to enter into their grief with small talk. And that's really tough, folks. And the small talk, we try to be helpful with statements like, well, at least they're in a better place. So, wait, 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 wait. Now is not the time for that, Right? I mean, there's all kinds of statements like that, and it really is from good-hearted people, but I've talked to many who, right when you're in the middle of it, it's like, I got to stay away from groups like this, because people try to be helpful, they try to be helpful, and and they have these just little little pithy statements, and man, you just got to let go, you got to let God. And so I think this is a great lesson for all of us as we um, really learn uh, grief and, and some, some areas that could be very helpful for us here today. I'm going to ask Masha Johns up here on stage. Masha um, is one of our longtime Grace Springers, and I, I tell you, it's wonderful to see her story and how God is using her in amazing ways. My wife and I and a team of us had the opportunity to uh, join, have Masha join us as we went to uh, Germany and all that kind of stuff, because you have a heart for missions, don't you? There you go. All right. See, isn't this fun? You get, look at all these people. Isn't that great? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Here, here's the deal. And I said, okay, Masha, you asked for this, right? So you got it. You got this. Hey, uh, just share something about yourself, Masha. Is that mic on? Yeah, mic is on. It's ready to roll. Okay. You got it. My name, hello everyone. My name is Masha Johns. I work as a child care, child care aide at Go Lake Community Schools and am going to college full time studying psychology. I have also spent two years at Ethnos 360 Bible College studying God's Word. I have been a part of Grace Spring for 11 years, growing up through the youth group. I volunteer in kids' ministry and have been a part of numerous mission trips over the years. You may know my mom as she is on staff here at Grace Spring Bible Church. I grew up in a Chuwash region of Russia, about 1,000 miles east of Moscow. When I was seven, my birth parents abandoned me and I was 
became a war of the state. For the next seven years, I lived in an institutional orphanage. When I was 14, I was adopted by an 11 family here in Michigan, which is a long story. They made me a part of their family, provided a stable place where I learned of Jesus Christ and his love for me and his way of salvation through his grace that has been given to me. I have known a lot of hurt and pain in my life, but I know the love and mercy shown me by Christ can begin to heal that pain. I stand here today as a testimony of God's grace and his provision for me. Amen. That's so good. Hey, can we stand for the reading of God's word? Then Jesus went with, with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Marcia, thank you so much. So good. I tell you, so appreciate Masha and just her growth. And man, do you love that Russian accent? Uh, do you wish you would have read this in Russian? All right. She probably does too. All right. Oh, it's so good. So good. You know, this is a very familiar story, but through this, we really can learn from Jesus. And, and, and I know you're going, man, you, you look at the perfect model, how to, you know, how to grieve. But, you know, I, I, I think very similarly to Jesus' baptism. It's like, hey, no, 
people ask, why did Jesus have to be baptized? I mean, he's fully God, fully man, all that kind of deal. Well, I think he also did that as, as an example, as a model for us to follow. And I do believe when it comes to grief, we can look at Gethsemane and go, wow, this is some helpful information to learn how to grieve well. And so here, I, I really, as, as we hopefully are taking notes through this, I, I just want us to uh, see that grief provides us an opportunity. Grief provides us an opportunity, first of all, and this is hugely important and often missed, it's an opportunity to acknowledge the pain. We said throughout this series that we've got to be able to speak it, to acknowledge it, so that we could get the proper help for what it is that we are experiencing. But we've got to be able to acknowledge the pain. This is what I I love about this, because Jesus, his heart was sorrowful. In fact, Luke's account said it was so sorrowful His heart was so heavy, he was so pressed that it's like the blood was coming out of his pores. He was sweating blood. I mean, that is serious, serious distress. And I know some of us right now have been in a long series of one distressor after another distressor. And you go, God, I mean, when is it going to stop? But this is what I was amazed in our February trip to the Mideast when I was seeing these churches, especially in Beirut, Lebanon, that had one crisis. I mean, we're talking to society that is built around hospitality, built around, hey, let's come together, let's eat together, and let's take at least three hours in the process. And then when you had COVID happen and that shut down, I mean, that messes people up. And then on top of that, there was the explosion that happened in Beirut that really messed people up. And then there was, uh, you know, there all these refugees flooding in. I mean, one crisis after the next crisis after the next crisis. And I know talking to those believers, they said, wait, we're just weary. Man, we're, we're still pressing on, but we're weary. And it's okay to say that. You've got to acknowledge the pain. And our pain comes in a variety of different ways. Um, you know, mad, sad, glad, angry, afraid. I mean, these are all just kind of some core emotions that we can feel when there is pain. And I think it's just so healthy in counseling. They will just say, what do you feel like you're going through? What, what, what is that emotion? And as we said through the series, our emotions really are like smoke detectors. They alert you that something is going, but if you spend all your time with the smoke detector, that smoke detector is not doing what it's designed to do. It's, it's, it's trying to alert you that there's a fire someplace. And then you've got to be able to address what is the fire? I mean, is this, what is making me so angry? What is making me so sad? We've got to be ones that can really acknowledge the pain. And I think so many times we just, we, we, we don't. We, we have defense mechanisms and, and, you know, we say the Christian F word all the time, which is, I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. Now, how are you really doing? No, 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 really, I'm fine. Because we feel like in a church setting, we have to say that. There's pressure to say that, especially been walking with the Lord for a long time. But sometimes we are not fine. And what I love about this church family and what people tell me they love about this church family is that here, it's okay not to be okay. Do you like that about this place? 
I love that about this place because we don't want you to be just a number. We want you to be known, but we want you to also understand that we know that it's okay not to be okay. You've got to at times acknowledge the the pain instead of saying I'm fine or instead of minimizing what you're going through. Many of us will try to just minimize. We're so used to just pressing through or we blame others. Man, I was a psychology major too. Marsha, whenever you go through hard stuff in your past, you tend to be psychology majors. Just saying. Um, I was a psychology major myself. I was trying to get things figured out. And I tell you, I had numerous teachers tell me, you should be a psychopath, Brian. (laughs) Now, that's encouraging, isn't it? I mean, it really is encouraging. In fact, I shared my story um, two weeks ago, and I had those in counselors come up and say, man, how, how are you really doing? Fine. No. Um, <laughs> but they're going, man, you are, you're, what you went through is like not normal. And I said, yeah, I was a psychology major. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I got so sick of psychology because in psychology, it's, already, it's always everybody else's fault. But I had to do my mom's funeral, and I confessed to you two weeks ago, that was the source. My mom was the source of a lot of pain. And, and, and I hate saying that. I want to honor her, but she was the source of a lot of pain. And, and I told you guys, I wrestled with doing my mom's own funeral because I dreaded the day that would happen. Man, how am I going to address the pain? And then in God's sovereign leading, guess what I preached the Sunday before the funeral? Oh, what God intended, or what man intended for evil, God made for good. And so the funeral was, man, here's what I love about my mom. Why? Because all of that forged me to be who I am today, to go through everything that the Lord wanted to do to use me for what this church needs um, from me that would not have happened had everything been easy. See what I'm saying? We've got to be okay to acknowledge the pain. But also, and and this is the funny thing about this particular passage, is who Jesus invited with him. Um, You've got to invite emotional support. I, I do believe that's what Jesus was trying to do. Hey, these are my closest hombres. Peter, James, and John, come on. Man, I, have, I am sorrowful to the point of death. Will you pray with me? Got to be honest. Sometimes we in the church love to say, hey, man, man, I'm praying for you. Text, man, I'm praying for you. Hey, Brian, right now. Hey, I'm praying for you. Man, you know, that's all good. But how about if you take time to be with me right now? I get too many things to do. But I'm praying for you. That's why I love at this place, we encourage you, don't tell people you're praying for them. Just do it. On the spot. You know someone's going through a hard time. It's almost like, come on. Man, we need to pray. We need to pray right now. We need to invite God's resources right now. We got to be a church that's doing that. You got to invite emotional support. And I know, you know, we have characters in the Bible like Job. I mean, Job's a popular one, right? Um, how things go for Job? Oh, yeah, well, Job had 42 chapters devoted to his journey of grief. 42 chapters. It was a 42-chapter dialogue in everything in Job. It's like quotes, and he had some friends, didn't he? 
And I got to be honest, I was raised in such a legalistic environment that when I read the counsel of the friends, I'm like, what's wrong with that? That's good counsel. Seriously, I'm serious. Well, I read this for years, and Job's friends say, well, you must have done something wrong. If you've been raised in a legalistic home or environment where it's almost like you're trying to impress God, you're trying to earn God's approval as opposed to embrace his grace, <laughs> uh, you know, then, then what happens is, you know, Job's friends was, you, you must have done something wrong. You must have done something wrong. Now, Job said, I did nothing wrong. I did nothing that I'm in this mess. And you know what? He was true. He, he, he was right in saying that. But then we get this dialogue with Job, and Job and God. And then God says, hey, where were you when I created everything? Hey, wait, Job hadn't done anything bad, except thinking he was really, really good. And didn't, I mean... He was just saying, I, I can't think of anything I've done wrong. But at the same time, you see this journey, 42-chapter journey. He brought friends in that weren't helpful, but they were helpful to the point of verbally processing. And I think at times that's the great thing with presence. As long as hey, hey, you're here, and, and these guys that Jesus invited to the garden, man, yeah, you know, let's give them some credit. I mean, it was late. They'd been going through a lot. Very, very busy week. He just said, hey, pray with me. But I really want to encourage people, especially in the last few years, those who have made it their habit to isolate even more. I'm telling you, when you're going through hard stuff, you're grieving. You're going through really hard stuff. I'm, I'm telling you, isolation is not, and working on it yourself is not the way to go. I, I, I really don't know if any stories that I know who have isolated when they're grieving and come out like awesome, victorious. Remember, we have Jesus here. He knows he's going through hard stuff. In fact, the scriptures, Isaiah, man, Isaiah 53. Where's Isaiah 53? Yeah, Isaiah 53 says this about, is this is a messianic statement 700 years before Jesus comes. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Sorrows, grief, okay? So we've got that. If you go in the very same chapter, Isaiah 53, 10, it was the will of the Lord to do what? Crush him. What? Wait, wait, wait. It was the will of the Lord to crush him in the very same way. And this doesn't preach real well in our society today, United States. Sometimes it's the will of God to crush you. What? Remember that press. And some of you have not grown because you are still so angry at God. Now again, grieving can take years. But I know some who there is no joy in their life because they are failing to see how sorrow can lead to triumph. But that is the Christian life. Would you not agree? 
I mean, that is the Christian life. In a broken world, everyone experiences loss. We've got to never go through these things alone. We need that support. And third, what do we see Jesus do? My Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I love the humanity of Jesus there. He knows what's going down. He was born for this moment. He emptied himself of everything in the heavenly realm for this moment. And I love the honesty there. This isn't going to be easy. See, this isn't it. Let go and let God. No, this is Jesus being real. This is Jesus going, man, I'm wrestling with you, God. I don't like this, God. We can be honest with him and say, hey, this situation, I don't like it. Masha could have said, man, this situation, I'm just going to, man, this is not fair that I was born into a family that led to me being in an orphanage in in Russia. Man, that's not fair. But then, Masha, would you trade what happened to where you are today? No. that, that, That puts her in a class many times by herself. Because we got some older Christians who can't get there. They're still shaking their baby rattles. They haven't gotten out of the high chair. And you got Masha. That's why I said your age does not determine your spiritual maturity. Man, I, I, see, I see some of these college-age students. or These are graduating from high school that are so doggone mature. I said, great. Man, let's get you involved in something where we could grow you up and be a part of the ministry of this church. Because this is awesome what we're seeing happening. And one of the reasons we're seeing that is because some of you older folks who have demonstrated that you could go through the worst of the worst of the worst and still say, I don't feel like this, but I'm going to raise my hands and praise to God. Because two-thirds of the Psalms, 150 Psalms, center of your Bible, two-thirds of those are laments. And lament psalms follow the same process. One, I hate this circumstance. I am, I I hate it. And very similar to Habakkuk chapter one, where Habakkuk the prophet says, where are you, God? And how long will you turn a blind eye to my situation? Any of you ever been there? It's honest, knowledge the pain, and God, I don't like it, but I've got to turn my eyes upward. I don't like it. But you know how those psalmists, those lament psalms always ended? Sometimes it was like two lines at the end of a psalm, sometimes it was a little bit longer, but it was like, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. And that could go for days, that could go for weeks, that could go for months, that could go for years, depending on the choices you make following that. And then the lament psalms end with, yet I will praise you. I hate this, God. I didn't want to lose that, God. You don't seem fair, God. but I will trust in you. 
Because to grow through grief and loss is a choice. It's a choice. I mean, I, I, I referenced Habakkuk, but man, I tell you, it's, it's such a choice. I'll, I'll get to how he ended after we hear uh, another story. But I'm going to ask um, Emily McNeil to come up here. As she is coming up here, please understand that the care arm of this church, our response care ministry, um, they have an incredible resource called the Grief Share Packet. And they also have a Grief Share Group. And what was shocking to me, sorry, I'm a whole, I don't need the mic, there you go. What was shocking to me was when I lost my mom, I said, okay, well, when's the next grief share group? And they said this, do not start it for at least six months. Wait, wait, but I just went through grief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's too much going on, too much going on for the next six months. There's going to be triggers. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. And I'll tell you, this grief share packet, I got one up here. This grief share packet just has so many great nuggets of helpful information. We got a few copied out there in the concourse for you. We'll have more in the weeks ahead. But, I mean, it's just great what not to do, what to do, how to create healthy space so people can grieve in the time frame in which they need to grieve loss, no matter if it's a loss of loved one, loss of a job, whatever. But... Uh, Emily here um, uh, shared a story. I, I gave the invitation. Hey, if you guys have a story that you'd love to share before our church family, man, let's man, let's do it. This is a family, and so we need to know our family members. So Emily, and you've got Jory here with you. Jory Raina here with you. But share your story with us. Good morning, everyone. Like Pastor Brian said, my name is Emily, and this is Jory. She has been one of my many mentors over the year that I've been here. And um, I currently don't serve anywhere at Grace Spring, but hopefully that will change soon because the Lord has really pulled me to missionary work. So I'm praying that he gives me guidance as to where to serve, so. Praise God. So I was born in the year of 2002. At just one month old, my mother packed her and I up and moved from Mississippi to Michigan. Flash forward to the year of 2011 when I lost my mother suddenly. I remember thinking that if there was a God, then why did he let parents die? From then on, I strayed away from him. When I started middle school, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, swearing, and even doing things a child my age should not have been doing. At the young age of 13, I was sent to the psych ward after a suicide attempt. I was put on medication and put into therapy. At 15, I was still hanging out with the wrong crowd, even though I had people saying they were praying for me. I would tell them not to waste their energy on something that wasn't real. I just lost my... Okay. In 2018, at the age of 16, I went to Sunday service at a church that my grandmother was attending. The pastor opened with John 3.16. Would you guys please say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. After that sermon, I prayed for forgiveness and asked Jesus back into my heart. 
Last year, I really started battling with depression and anxiety again. In January of last year, while down in Mississippi, I got a message from my friend saying that I should go to church with her, which happened to be Grace Spring. I told her I would go, but I would be glued to her hip. When I walked into the building on my first Sunday, I remember being blown away about how welcoming and loving everyone was. I could feel the love coming off of every person I met. At lunch with her family that day, they welcomed me with open arms. I was worried that I would be a burden on their family time, but they insisted. Little did we know that after meeting them, my life would take yet another big turn. In March of last year, I had a seizure that landed me in the hospital. The following Sunday, I came to church and told Ashley and her family. I've always been told that God works in mysterious ways, but I didn't believe it until that happened. I'm still battling seizures even a year later, but I have so many loving and caring people around me that help me through it. God has a plan and a purpose for all of us. Even when we don't see it or feel it, he is working in all of our lives. I've gotten to the point many times where I get angry and question God. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, but he knows. His plan may be a mystery to us, but not to him. Amen. Can we give it up? That's so good. Thank you. You know, if I could correct something that Emily said, but Emily, I love what you said, but you said something that I hear a lot, and I just want to affirm that through the story of Gethsemane, do you think God abandons us? abandons us after we say yes to him, but then we go into far off places? No. But I think many times we can think, I've got to ask God back into my heart, when really you're doing exactly what God has called you to. You're just saying, it's just, that's your way of just saying, hey, I just said, okay, now I'm going to let you back onto the throne of my life. I, I do, I, I just I, I see many people, even older people, that just say, oh, well, I'm walking far from him, so therefore I've lost my family, faith, or all that. No, man, we have been adopted as a child of the king, and I love that. So like when people say, oh, I'm baptized for the first time. No, this is the time you were baptized. Man, now let's walk the journey of faith. Why is this so important for us? Because Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And what does he call his church to be in the community God has for us? A light. Do you know that this lamp is made from pressed olives? It's the purest light. You put that wick in there and it will burn brightly and you will not see smoke. It's just, it's beautiful. But it only happened because there was some crushing involved. You are the light of the world. Great, if we're to be the light, expect to be crushed. And if you want a picture of a prayer uttered by somebody that did not like what God was doing. I mean, Habakkuk. He was given a preview. He said, here's what I'm doing. You don't always get the answers to your whys. But here is how (laughs) 
how a grown-up Christian prays. Though the fig tree, the fig should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Man, isn't that fun? Talk about loss. No food. No way for me to make money. That's loss. I mean, this is the bleakest picture But that bleak picture starts with a though. But then this is the look of maturity. Yet I will. That's a choice. That's a choice. I guarantee you, you're not going to feel your way to that. Not going to happen. That's why we don't rely on smoke detectors to drive our life. No. Smoke detectors drive us to the fire, so we'll dress the fire so we can go on and live in victory. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. And when I read that, when I read that, I think of one time I was whitewater rafting in Colorado, and we were doing these rapids. And I don't know if you've seen, but there's some, some rocky cliffs sometimes by some of those rivers. And I remember seeing some white uh, mountain goats, and they're scaling these rocky crag cliffs like it's, like it's like, what? How could they make it look so easy? But it's because the footing was sure. The footing was sure. Yes, it looked like, how could you get out of this? But God says this. says, you place your faith in me during the hardest of stuff and watch what I can do with it. I will take your sorrow and I will use your sorrow as a catalyst for something great if you let me. Choice is up to you. This is the cooperation part. It's not going to just happen. It's cooperation. So as we respond, I want you to honestly answer this. And, and, and I encourage you guys. Can I encourage you? Please journal. Man, I, I've learned to be a journaler now. I started that in seminary just so that I could go back and go, man, I remember about the time frame where I thought life stunk and everybody hated me. Everybody was against me. And so I'll pull out an old journal and I go, oh man, wow. I think I'm a little bit further than that now. And so it can be an encouragement. But I tell you, I journal and I would encourage you to journal. Our resources, our growth guides are designed to help you grow into become self-feeders so that you don't depend on materials that we provide that you just say, man, I'm going to pour into the Word of God myself. So you might need to journal this one. Lord, I don't like. I don't like I don't have my spouse around anymore. I don't like that my kid has now chosen a wayward journey. Don't like it. Don't like that I have cancer now. Don't like this journey. Don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like it. Yet I will. Yet I will. Oh, I pray, church, that for those of you who've been stuck in a spot for years, that you will take that step. Because that's faith in action.
As Emily wisely said, it's not that I know all the plans ahead of me, but I do know as long as I pray and take that next step, that's a journey of faith. And sometimes it's a teeny little step. It's a journey of faith as much as that is. So can you have some time just to you and the Lord, and then we will come out of that with some songs.